Welcome to Talking Education, the podcast where we discuss ideas, opinions and research about how education at all levels can prepare us for the 21st century. Today we talked about our bachelor thesis, discussing topics like the first year experience, 21st century skills development and what role universities play in all this. All right, and I think we're live. Hello, Emma, for the Hello. second episode. How are you <laughs> Hi, doing? Hey, Nicholas. Um, I'm doing good. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, doing good today. How are you? Uh, it's good to hear. Yeah, the same. I'm, I'm very excited to, to record the, the second episode and yeah, to basically finally integrate both our theses because that was something that we've planned quite quite a while already and now we're finally getting to it yeah definitely yeah we have been talking about these for a while and like exchanging ideas right um and i think this is going to be an interesting time to really yeah incorporate them and also time has gone right since we wrote them and we are already a bit working on our new theses for our masters so it's also interesting to see how yeah, how like we can look at it back at it and like maybe evolve on the ideas we have written there. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about it with you. Exactly. And it also has been just to try to find a good uh, transition. It also has been uh, quite some time actually since we recorded the last episode. So maybe before we jump into uh, into the details of our thesis, uh, how has the your master treated you and yeah in general how has your time been since we talked last mm, thank you for asking um yeah i feel many different things are interesting and going on uh, since last time we spoke so um my master is um the, the time frame is divided similarly to our bachelor programs which means that i had a session of exam already after two months of studying, right, which was the same as in Maastricht, but I think it's very different in different countries. Mm. Um, so I have gone through exams here, which uh, went quite fine. It was um, open-ended questions, so a style that I was used to using in Maastricht. And there were one exam open book and one exam closed book. Um, but beyond really doing the exam, what was very interesting to me was the... Um, a student atmosphere around uh, first exam session at Utrecht University because we are all a body of international students um, and the expectations and the fears around exams were very um, easy to, to, to sense um, mm. and that was very interesting as a process for me. I really was uh, like intrigued and looking around me seeing um students yeah like asking a lot of questions to the teachers about the exams and yeah i felt very um on a different kind of and i think the dutch students in general knew better the system so they were more assured about what to expect and that's very linked to your thesis as well so that's going to be interesting but um yeah i felt they were very of much of a um, high difference in expectations about the exams, for example, and therefore the students' attitudes, um, serenity, well-being around that period. And I felt quite serene and fine, and I could notice many students did not. So that was a very interesting process for me um, that I would be excited to, yeah, 
talk more about with you during the topic of our thesis because that's something you talk about in your thesis if i'm not mistaken yeah exactly yeah. and it's also uh, i just find it very interesting that you had this experience that you just outlined because uh, i saw something uh, very uh, very similar at yeah at our in our program because we also had just had Uh, the yeah the end of the first period of the master and we didn't have uh, exams but we had papers that we had mm -hmm. to uh, write and hand in and it was also it was just this uncertainty about okay how is it going to be graded and is it is it going to be enough and um, it was just like this like you have started a bachelor again basically uh, and it was yeah. all this, this this uncertainty about how does everything work uh, what's happening again despite the fact that most of the people actually have done a bachelor before yeah. so it's uh, very interesting and indeed um, something that I um, looked at during during my bachelor thesis when I when I talked to two first-year students mm -hmm. and how did you feel this time uh, in your master program about yeah, these new um, assignments and so on how did you feel I was to be honest I wasn't I mean I was stressed but it had not necessarily it wasn't necessarily due to the uncertainty it was just it's it's way more and you just need to or at least I needed to change my way of working and how I scheduled things and so this was in the beginning was was quite stressful it's now now really getting better um, and f in terms of the of the papers, there was one that was very difficult. A lot of uh, rules that we had to obey, which made it more difficult, but also made it more rewarding in the end. So there was a lot of focus on one paper, and the other paper was more, um, yeah, was written in a shorter time frame than the other one. Okay. Let's say. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't doubt that I would have to do one of them again. But also, like this, this mm. uncertainty was definitely it was still there. Like it wasn't that I was completely uh, unaffected by it. It was still there. It's like, mm. okay, what is this actually going to be in the end? And yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Nice. All right. Um, I thought how we could do it. Maybe we could just briefly uh, summarize with the thesis, uh, with our th theses, uh, yeah. what we what we actually did just like yeah. the, the broad outline and then we can dive deeper into the different um yeah that sounds good, content, that sounds good contents me, yeah. that we talked about yeah. nice um yeah then maybe if you want to start just just okay. tell us uh, what you did exactly sure <laughs> i will try to uh, be as precise as possible and um please just stop me also if some concepts might uh maybe seem obvious to me or to you and me but maybe not to people listening that's important i think that we explain in enough depth so that it's um yeah understandable um so i wrote my thesis now about um yeah um, a bit less than a year ago um finishing my studies um interdisciplinary studies and i wrote um The main topic was to try to understand. Um, it, it was focused mainly on students at Maastricht University. 
uh, across different faculties. So I studied students from four different faculties um, just because I, I could reach them. But um, I was really wanting to look at students at Maastricht University in this little bubble. Um, and I was trying to understand if uh, students perceive that they are lacking something in their um, education um, and if yes, what would that be? What would they like to learn um, at university that they are not learning about or that they're not learning yet? Um, and then I went a bit more in depth in the topic that I thought was um, lacking at university and that studies and research has also highlighted as maybe lacking at university that were um, mainly the topic of um, and I will be a bit more precise after, but personal development, um, the skills of personal development and skills regarding global citizenship. Um, in general, people understand better what skills of personal development might be. So it's a bit, um, yeah, how are you able to self-reflect? Do you feel um, uh, that you are able to do things to overcome challenges? Um, can you manage to remain um, uh, have some uh, emotional regulation in times of um, challenges and yeah, how do you deal with all of that basically and are you interested to grow as a person and then skills of um, global citizenship are mainly related to trying to be um, an individual part of a society so th the skills of personal development are more of being an individual stable within yourself and then global citizenship is more with others considering that we live in a world where we are um, <coughs> more and more connected to people um, where changes are going like faster and faster we need to be able to interact um, in a um, efficient but also healthy and um useful and respectful manner with others and so it would be skills for example such as teamwork communication intercultural communication um yeah and others like this and the main uh, points of the research were stemming from the fact again that our our world is changing a lot and the 21st century that is coming ahead is very different from what we have i mean all times have been different right but this upcoming um, future seems very different from what we have gone through so far where um, uh, I'm, I'm not seeing you moving anymore so I'm hoping he's still here all right sorry for that um, my wi-fi just cut out but I think we're back now and it should hopefully uh, work for the rest of the episode Sweet. um so Emma, you were just talking about uh, global citizenship and basically why it's important um, to consider it as part of the university curriculum. Yes. So maybe you could take two steps back and then explain uh, that again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was um, basically explaining that I think a lot of the um, where... Um, yeah, these ideas come from is from the at least literature and my understanding of the fact that society today um, has changed a lot and that the pace of change is also increasing um, exponentially. Um, so, which means that knowledge that we have gathered um, is becoming quick, 
like very quickly obsolete. So you might be learning something, but if you cannot use it in 10 years, then how useful really is it to learn? And what are you left with if all of your knowledge that you have gathered is very quickly becoming obsolete? That means you have to learn again and continuously be able to adapt your knowledge. Um, and then the world is becoming very interconnected. Um, so people from everywhere communicate more and more in the um, classroom, but also the workplace is becoming more and more diverse. Um, so it's important to be able to also um, have skills in order to communicate with others that are not that similar to you and to do so, um, yeah, um, acknowledging these differences and embracing these differences. And finally, the world is also facing a lot of crises. Um, currently, with the obviously climate crisis, more recently the pandemic. Um, but yeah, many different um, factors, even like economically, we know that the economic system is really um, like being uh, on tension. Um, and basically, the premises of the thesis was also to understand that the students of university need to understand how to possess all of these skills and knowledge in order to really um, come out in the world and be prepared for this 21st century. Um, but do universities really prepare students to be able to do that, basically? And so this is where these um, personal development skills and global citizenship skills came from, um, where literature highlighted that, um, well, basically, if you are a human being that is stable within yourself and know how to continuously adapt, learn, um, if you are curious, um, if you are resilient, if you can have some so sort of um, emotional regulation, you should more or less be able to face challenges and over overcome them, overcome them without being completely like yeah, um, shattered. Can you say that? Yeah. Um, and if you possess skills of global citizenship, um, you can also interact with others and try to create basically sort of a better world, or at least try to uh, minimize like negative interactions and negative impacts on the world. Um, so, yeah, the thesis was basically um, whether students um, thought it was interesting for them to uh, learn about more topics at universities and which topics would they want to learn about, and whether they thought um, these um, skills of global citizenship and personal development were valuable to learn at university. And I conducted um, focus groups, so I did interviews with groups of people from uh, faculties of medicine, faculty of um, uh, data uh, engineering, um, data knowledge engineering, the faculty of um, science, the Maastricht Science Program, which is a specific program, um, and the faculty of European studies, basically. And I, I, I worked with um, about eight students in each group, and I asked them several questions to try to understand their perspectives on this. Um, so that was what uh, was the main um, subject of the thesis. I don't know if it would be interesting to already talk about the kind of the results and findings or if we start with this. Um, I would have one uh, question actually before we yeah. go there. 
Um, and that is, you already talked, I think one thing that really resonated for me is like you have on the one hand, you have like this self-development, which is more focusing on, on, on the self and on internal balance and stability, basically. Then you have the global citizenship uh, skills or the, the concept of that focuses more on you as an individual in a social context, basically. Uh, would you say that because there's another Uh, keyword that basically somewhat relates to both of them and that you also mentioned or open up with in your thesis and that's 21st century skills would you say that 21st century skills is kind of like an umbrella term that captures both of them or is it more nuanced than that no i think that's um so that's a very good point um yes i think 21st century skills is an umbrella that captures um both these um, frameworks or these topics. Um, part of my thesis is looking at what has been um, researched so far in institutions like um, the OECD or um, organi um, um, international organization and how do they see the future of education. And these institutions have really highlighted that um, there are some skills that will be necessary for the future that are mostly named 21st century skills, which often encompass um, these personal development, the inner self and the uh, social self, let's say, um, of global citizenship skills. Um, yet, sometimes these 21st century skills are ill-defined. So they are like, there are many of them, many different literature highlights different um, of them. Some um, forget in a way to really look at the personal development. They mention emotional regulation, but not so much more about personal development. Mm -hmm. um, some look at some skills of global citizenship, but um, look more again at the individual and inter intercommunication, but not really of the dynamics that can happen in between people. So um, yes, uh, they belong, I think, to 21st century skills, but I would say it's like you have... Um, the personal development, global citizenship that can overlap in some ways in between. And you have a 21st century skills that is a bigger kind of framework. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And I can, I can see how, how they are important for several things that we already talked about. I mean, they are probably important about this dealing with uncertainty about yes. exams, for example, on that level, but also, for example, to be able to learn on your own for the changing environment like you said the world is, is changing and uh, likely um, every not everyone but a lot of people um, in the future will have to be dynamic in the types of tasks that they have to fulfill um, in their in their jobs yeah and so learning is important and then of course which of course also brings uncertainty with it and then of course also you will be in contact more and more with different people yes and, and yeah Yeah, exactly. So just to give an idea, I think it's interesting. Some of the skills that were really um, fo the focus in the thesis were um, that belong both to global citizenship and to, to um, personal development, basically, where um, creativity, curiosity, judgment, um, to name a few, perspective, perseverance, honesty, uh, teamwork, social intelligence, leadership, um, and a few others, hope, um, prudence, humility. So these are really, yeah, the ones that for me, as you're also mentioning, can help um, 
in many different ways to try to understand, integrate what is happening to you in the world, try to behave upon it, try to um, create a better future, try to interact better with other people as well. So, and these are, it's important to mention, I think these are, um, well, the, 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 the term is really um, for the personal development kind of framework. I have used a specific framework that's called character strength. And they are um, uh, validly, um, they are, they are trait like strengths that everybody possesses to a certain extent. Um, but that can be further developed and that um, have been studied to be valued across cultures, across ages. So they are just traits that are really um, highly studied empirically, um, but just seen basically as valuable traits. So we're really talking about things that we try to enhance in, in, in order, in a way to create a better future. Um, so I think that's just an important aspect of um, the outlook also of this this is and our I think discussions in general is trying to not always pinpoint at problems but really trying to create something positive for the future and help people making sense of what is happening and and develop basically. Nice. All right. Um, <laughs> I would say I would quickly do basically the same thing that you just yeah. did, which is outlining the context behind my bachelor thesis and then we can start talking about the findings because i think there's a lot of room for integration between yeah, our findings because they're kind of complementary focus on complementary um, aspects of the student experience yeah absolutely um, so. thank you all right uh, so what i was interested in is yeah like like you i did my thesis last year so almost a year ago not not completely and of course uh, it was during a pandemic that is still going on and i was interested in the first year experience and because we had corona going on so i wasn't actually specifically um, interested in, in in COVID itself but i was interested in the first year experience and because it was going on i did um, an exploratory research basically on the first year experience during a global pandemic and basically talked to 10 first-year students that started their psychology bachelor during the pandemic and as you can imagine there were a lot of challenges um, going along with this and I was basically interested in what were the challenges um, that were unique to COVID so what new challenges were basically posed on them but what were also the challenges that were basically always part of the university experience and of the transitioning experience. Um, for example, we touched upon one, which is the uncertainty about exams and how the entire system in general works. And then basically how these two types of challenges interact with each other. Mm. So for example, it might be more difficult to reduce this uncertainty because you have less contact to your peers and to staff members through the measures that were in place one year ago where like they basically had online education for the entire first half of uh, of their bachelor, of their first year in the bachelor and yeah um, as i said in in order to to gain more insight in this i talked to 10 first year students for an hour each and basically asked them about these type of challenges and in the end what turned out was that there were three big 
chunks, so to say, that I focused on, which was the first one was like the challenges of of COVID, then the challenges of uni, and then basically the motivation, um, what what kept them going to uh, yeah to deal with all the stress that arose from from these challenges, and also in general how they dealt with with the different yeah hurdles that were basically put in their way and how their experience of of the of university um, developed over over the first few months of their of their studies mm. super thank you i have a question um uh which is since it's a podcast i can really uh go on this obviously academically we have to be careful as you know researchers to not uh, interfere too much with our research and try to be not i mean depending on the perspective right but um my question is uh what led you to be interested in that topic like where did that interest spark and yeah yeah did it start? I, th i think it goes back to what we talked about uh, last uh, last episode in the first yeah. episode when we introduced ourselves which was basically i came to when i came to university it was like this very strong contrast to the two years that I had before where I basically didn't had anything that would brought me forward in life so to say that didn't give me a feeling of really making progress um, and yeah developing as a as a human being so to say and this happened during um, during the bachelor and I was really focused on okay who do I want to become as as a person basically but I saw that this wasn't the case for everyone and I was very interested in why that isn't trying to get a better idea of okay why is, why are some people so interested in that and why are other people not interested in that and also um i had a feeling that the people who had like this this approach to it or this this, this idea of okay i want to be at uni and not only learn new things but really develop myself um, had more purpose they saw more purpose in it and this made it easier for them to deal with all the challenges that go went along with it and yeah I basically wanted to see whether this is just something that happened because I was just talking to the people that I was always talking to and they maybe happened to be these type of people so basically a non-random sample right mm. and Yeah, this was kind of the the motivation behind the specific uh, question, so to say, mm. behind that research. And in general, I'm just very interested in what what gets what gives people purpose, or how mm -hmm. can we what can be done to help people find their their purpose, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, when I was reading the the your your thesis that I read a couple of times actually, um, yeah, I was really um, noticing this interest and, as you mentioned rightly, because of the special context of last year and the past two years actually, you research into how, um, in a sense, the kind of pandemic and online education in a, in a way has exas exasper exacerbated these um, 
challenges that students um, have faced. But and if, if if I jump a bit too quick, let me know. But I'm really yeah, I would really like to hear about you explain because I read what you wrote, but about you explaining yeah what what did you find mainly what happened with these first year students when they start university because i think this is also applicable indeed to master students but in general starting a new either education a new job a new life setting comes with challenges and i think that again as you were saying links also to what i wrote because um, while you're focusing on on university, and this is very specific to university, I think it's a process um, that happens a lot that we have to adapt to a new setting and try to understand from our previous experiences how to make sense of a new experience. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's an ongoing process for the the whole life actually often. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to hear what did you find basically during this research? Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe before I start going into the details, uh, I would like to point out that I'm, I was especially interested in this first year transition or the transition to university for first year bachelor students, because it's like the first major transition or the first type of these transition that you just explained, mm -hmm. right? Because it's very often that um, first year students, they, it's the first time they move into a new city. It's mm -hmm. the first time they move out of their parents' uh, houses. It's the first time they have to make new friends. Like it's very often we're just used to our friends because we're basically in high school with them mm -hmm. uh, for 10 years, right? Yeah. Or for not 10 years, but for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly you're like 18, 17, 18, 19, and you go into a new place and you actually have to make new friends. Yeah. And that's actually something that's uh, sometimes taken for granted. It's like, yeah, yeah you will just find people or... Um, which is which was something that uh, I was I found quite interesting and which was also something that they said they found quite challenging was yeah. um, making new contact with people especially because there was this reduced contact and I think in, at the time I spoke to them which was about three months into their studies they've been on campus on average like two times or something and the rest was That's online that's yeah. um and you can see how how difficult it is to um to make friends there and they yeah. especially said that one of the major difficulties was that you didn't get these um, spontaneous social interactions before and after the tutorial yeah so basically highlighting how important that actually is and how difficult it is to recreate this in a in a formal manner because i think it it doesn't really work right it's this yeah. you you talk about something and somebody says asks like one question and then you get get into a conversation and you say hey should we grab coffee and that's how you get to know people if if there's not covid right this yeah. um this really wasn't the case and this is something that made it very difficult for a lot of students um and yeah which also introduced a new stressor because simultaneously there were people who were for example knew that or anticipated that early on and then wanted to participate in the social activities that were possible but then for example had to be in quarantine yeah. and this is of course also then very um very difficult because then you have a like a very big fear of missing out um, because when all the people get to know them each other uh, they yeah 
you are basically sitting in your room not talking to anyone and this is of course yeah you can imagine how how this is is a great source of, of stress yeah absolutely um, yeah on the on the upside though um, related to like meeting new people during covid what they said was that you met that they in general met fewer people but that the people they met were becoming close friends way faster than they would have anticipated mm. and that is normal because basically you know okay like i'm not going to meet everyone in the program yeah. at least not for now for the next half year or so and so the people i i meet now are the people i'm probably going to interact with for a long time um, so this was one aspect and then simultaneously of course everybody goes through the same stress mm. which is very helpful for for social bonding basically right so you can talk about the problems that you have and you can help each other you can encourage encourage each other you can learn together um, you can talk about your uncertainties um, about the about the exams that was for example one thing that i found right that they were were very uncertain about okay how does this entire system work and yeah. the problem with not being on campus and not being able if you have a question to just approach staff members like hey where do i actually have to go yeah because you were online you were sitting in your yeah, room exactly. um and this was um that i found it made me look at it quite optimistically that there's like this compensating function for this lack of social contact by basically deepening the few social contacts that you have yeah 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 i have many <laughs> many things coming to my mind but yeah i can definitely even me relate to that as a um i was a third year student already when the pandemic hit so i was uh already yeah feeling uh like that i i had the opportunity to meet people in real life and i had the opportunity to uh, be on campus i knew many of the codes of university so that was so much less stressful um yet i think that uh the quality even of the education um so I, i must say i didn't feel the stressors um that first year students had felt but i think if i had been in first year and experienced this i would have freaked out i was already so panicked <laughs> when it was on campus because everything as you said everything is so new you don't understand much of what is happening to you you get to lectures and they explain to you a million of things that are going to be the new way of communicating the new way of receiving information the new way of doing assignments and you're right right there in your first week and you're like what is happening like there's so much to do right now and it's only the first week how is it going to be okay but i feel that if um, even more than that at the exit of the um, lecture you don't have other people to look at and be like what is no. happening like this is really stressful <laughs> um and feel at least being really together in this i think and that's what um probably the situation has exasperated <laughs> i never know how to say this word in english um but uh, that made it even more visible is this loneliness that probably um these first year students must have felt right um, but yeah, I think this, yeah, what, what you're writing in your thesis, like that indeed this pandemic has just, uh, enhanced these feelings, uh, that are coming with 
getting into the first year of university, right? But um, yeah, what were like what were actually these um, difficulties that students in general experience in their first year? Um, yeah, yeah. So I think one of the major ones, were, and I think also the first ones that I I reported in the thesis were like this social or lack of social contact, basically, right? Yeah. And this then played out further that people felt very lonely so for example i think there were two people that i talked to who were living alone and haven't met any of their peers yet and you can yeah. imagine after three months or um, how hard it is i mean they at, at the three month point they had met people fortunately but before in the beginning they didn't yeah. know anyone and you can see how this adds to the stress of not knowing what is going on um, not knowing where you have to be not knowing who you can ask when your zoom link isn't working out for example <laughs> and these were like the, the really major ch challenges at the beginning and then there were other things like um, okay how much do i actually have to study right that's like the mm. the um the that's just <laughs> the normal question that everybody yeah. independent of the pandemic uh, asks himself but usually you have this mechanism where you can talk to people and you can talk to a lot of people and um, basically see like okay how far are you with preparing this course and have you already looked at this and have you understood this and basically this mapping of of the social landscape in terms of how much does everybody do right right which also gives us um, certainty about where we basically fit in in our uh, current state of of uni preparation for example mm. and of course this works with a lot of other things um, Basically, how many people do you have you met already, right? Also quite important uh, question in, in this regard. And this falls away. And so you basically have this constant uncertainty or at least the uncertainty about how much is good um, is um, is higher than it would be because you just don't have like the comparison and you just mm. don't have like this regulation, this interpersonal regulation mechanism for this uncertainty. Um and this actually played out, this was something that I found very interesting because this uncertainty played out quite differently. Mm -hmm. um, and this was then going into something that I was interested in because some people, uh, what I mentioned earlier, I was interested in, okay, why do some people focus on self-development and others not? And I think that this was mirrored a little bit in how this uncertainty, the effect of the uncertainty differed across people. Because what I found was that some people about half were really stressed by by this uncertainty and it really inhibited their ability to focus on uni and also on other things right on on, on just chores like cleaning groceries and also social social aspect meeting with other people and then on the other hand you have these people who really thrive maybe thriving is not the right word but they really tried to make something and you know they said like okay uh, this uncertainty is like really um, pushing me from behind and it's really f pushing me to set uh, or sit another hour in the library and really put in put in the work that i need in order to have more calm so to say um and this this was something that was very interesting to me but simultaneously it wasn't all good basically that you could say okay cool there are these people who basically use the uncertainty as a motivator because it could also go too far where people would neglect eating for example yeah. um 
and where where it basically shows that okay there's this balance it's nice if you can use it as a as a motivator but you also shouldn't be so motivated or overwhelmed by it that you basically neglect other very important um uh, aspects of of yeah self-regulation right basically basically falls very well under under this category um yeah yeah that's that's actually for me i i um highlighted in red <laughs> the sentences in your thesis uh because i think this is actually extremely important and um now i think i'm gonna go a little bit away from these topics and go in my my personal opinions but um in my thesis as well there were um, a lot of students highlighting how um, second and third year students in my studies so that's interesting we have a whole perspective of the three years but highlighting how um this uncertainty but also um sometimes when the uncertainty kind of disappeared and they had more of an expectation of what was expected like what they had to do this provide a lot of you were explained in the thesis you explained that sometimes when the uncertainty disappears if i'm not mistaken um students feel relieved and they feel they might have to provide less work in my mm -hmm. thesis i also found that when the uncertainty disappeared and student understood what was expected from them the pressure was still very high um, okay. and they felt they had uh, a lot of work to provide in order to get to the results they were expecting to achieve basically um, and then again these feelings of um uh, um, yeah, like stress and anxiety uh, arise again. And uh, both in our thesis students expressed forgetting to eat, forgetting to sleep um, in order to study enough and in order to do the work enough. And for me, this is something that needs to be said out loud. This is a problem. This is a real problem. Um, and uh, I tend to sometimes do it also and be so stressed I wouldn't, I, I would, you know, um, would do all nighter and uh, just forget a bit to eat and some, something. But this is actually like, it has to be said, it's not really okay that um, that's something happening because I think students of our age, but people in general, but especially students, uh, first of all, in these kinds of universities are away from family. So they might be very, you know, like, um, yeah, like lonely. Plus with the pandemic are even more lonely. And this is also a stage of life where I think identity, identity creates the whole life, right? But still, um, our age group is very subject to, um, yeah, being trying to create their identity with social media comparing themselves a lot with others like there are a lot of research shown that um people are very subjective to um yeah stress and comparison and so on and i think um it's not a light finding that people um forget to eat and forget to sleep and are basically living an anxious and unhealthy lifestyle because of exams or because of um yeah like um, not knowing what's expected from them. So, um, yeah, I think this is a bit normalized, actually, today. People are like, oh, yeah, I didn't eat yesterday. I was studying so much. Oh, yeah, I was, like, not sleeping. Um, and I think it's important to just mention that um, that can also be in some way 
dangerous for certain people that are in a less uh, good mental state. Um, uh, that can also not be beneficial for studying, actually. <laughs> do not eat, do not drink, and do not sleep is actually not helping you uh, getting good grades in general, not helping you in the exam. I actually wrote a whole paper about how all night, all-nighters before the night of an exam is like the worst ID possibly you can do. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, um, it's actually, yeah, because you, your brain needs to recover, your brain needs water, your brain needs energy to work. So, Basically, taking care of yourself is actually one of the most important things you can do in order to succeed, um, which, again, I think ties into the, the, the general mentality of our thesis. But, yeah, I think it's, um, for me, it's really important to mention. Students, so uh, we're talking about burnout. Uh, people of 22 years old are talking about burnout, um, yeah. anxiety kind of disorder, eating disorder that's, yeah, and that's in your study. And I think, like, if you talk to most of the students, especially from Maastricht University, they're going to mention something alongside of that. So that's important, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah it was uh, one thing that you said that resonated quite a bit. You said that it, this type of, of life is basically normalized more. And I think it's for some, for a minority, and this is not... Um, from any studies this is just my own observation and just a feeling so not um, not like saying that this is a fact but i have a feeling that for some people they actually strive with that and they identify with that you know and mm -hmm. they know that it's unhealthy and they they identify with this unhealthy aspect and make it part of their uh, identity that is forming during these years and i think that that's where it gets very problematic yeah. um and maybe no, I'm, I first want to want to put one thing into 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 context, and then I'm going to follow up with a question yeah. um, about your findings. Um, these type of I just wanted to say that, of course, these type of behavior that there we we see them on a on a we as students see them in our peers, and we see them in, in ourselves. I just wanted to say that this wasn't what I what you highlighted in red was like. I cannot say from from the interviews that these people had any eating disorders right that's not yeah. what i what i wanted to say and i hope that this isn't the takeaway yeah um, my bad if that's what uh, i said out loud that's not what i meant either <laughs> no no but but i mean it's uh, eating disorders are are real right yeah. i just wanted to uh, wanted to make clear that this isn't that there are findings about this uh, without question just that it's not uh, from my thesis mm -hmm. um and the other aspect is also that the balance between these things is quite difficult because like you said you have you notice these patterns sometimes uh, happening in yourself i also realize that, that certain aspects of uh, of life are sometimes pushed to the back a little bit and it's very difficult to find the balance between that and also to to see like okay when is it part of a learning experience because i think you also need this right mm -hmm. you need to be able to push yourself a little bit too far um, at least in when you're at uni i think that's one of the great things that uni allows you it allows you to temporarily push a little bit too far but then you also have to make the step back and i think this not not being able to take the step back is the problem yeah um, in itself not necessarily the of once in a while being there and testing yourself out right because i think if you if you if you can manage to do it in a um in an effective way that 
it tires you out temporarily but if you do it like for one exam period it's not going to kill you but yeah. you have to be able to then take the step step back and maybe that's actually one thing that we could try to have like talk about and, or have like as a meta question is like okay how can we help people take the step back after they have um after they have done this and basically come closer to what they can sustain you know to to this level that they can stay sustain over time because there's not the one answer to it because everybody's different and everybody has to find it out for themselves during university and how can university help to how can university helps their students help themselves to find out what their sustainable level of uh, work and in relation to all their other life domains is basically um, that's so interesting you know, yeah. thank you for phrasing it that way yeah. and now i wanted to connect it to um, go to your findings um, in a little bit more detail and the question is that I found that some of the students, they had quite this initiative. They wanted to learn from these type of experiences and others not. And I wanted to ask you what your um, your findings were in this regard of like the initiative from the students or the, the willingness to really learn it. Yeah. Um, and maybe if there were variations in it or if it was yeah. really people wanted to do it. And then maybe also if there were differences in what people were actually already doing yeah. in, in regard in, in relation to the 21st century skills, self-development and global citizenship. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the findings of uh, my research really showed that across the faculties of the university, students felt differently about um what they are currently learning in terms of personal development and global citizenship skills. And most students um, felt that they could learn a lot more about it. And a lot of students said that they would value learning more about it. Um, mm -hmm. Before going into that specific topic, to link from what we were just talking about, um, my research was looking at two questions, right? At what would they like to learn that they're not learning yet? And then how would they value learning about personal development and global citizenship skills? About the question of what would they like to learn that they're not learning yet? I think a lot was actually in line with what you found about these um, uh, yeah, challenging times and not knowing how to adapt, basically. Students in my research, and we talked about it a little bit already, but they expressed that they really felt they were lacking support in order to make sense of their experiences. And that was really an important finding that um, they were going through very uncertain times, for example, with the exams, with the projects, they had to do group projects and they didn't really know how to um, handle it. Um, uh, in general, with their studies or what with, with what they want to do, like after their studies, they felt that the university wasn't really providing providing them with enough support. Sometimes there were support provided, such as uh, there are like psychotherapists at the university, and they were often a but after they said something. So they said mm. they are they are psychotherapists, but they are never available. Uh, you cannot make an appointment appointment with them. They are so busy or 
there is a coaching uh, program, but it's only for the first year, and then you are left by yourself for the second and third year. Um, there is a portfolio program in order to try to make sense of your experiences as a student, but it's a very individual project, and you cannot talk about it with anybody. Therefore, you again feel very lonely. So the student really highlighted, and that was really some of the most important finding of my thesis, is that the student really highlighted that they would like to receive more support from the university, and that could they expressed that that could be on a teacher to student level, that could be on a peer to peer level, that could be on a psychotherapist to student level, but some kind of support and guidance into trying to understand what their experiences and what is expected from them. And I think that really yeah, ties to what you're explaining um, in your research where going into a new setting, for example, first-year students, you do not know what are the codes, what are the rules, what, are, what is the culture, mm -hmm. basically, of the place you are entering. And there is a lot of research, actually, on the fact that um, this... Uh, Lacking codes is very unstabilizing and yeah, like creates a lot of stress and anxiety basically. So that was the first part of my findings. And then the students also expressed that they would like to have more, for example, professional um, skills courses or more like interpersonal communication skills courses. Um, so also different types of content, but they were really highlighting that the quality of their education was quite good already, but they were lacking support. Hmm. And then um, in terms of um, personal development and global citizenship skills, um, yeah, the students basically were expressing that they were interested into trying to, again, make sense of their experiences, trying to better communicate with others in trying to um, develop these skills. Uh, but it was interesting because there were different reasons why, depending on the field, right? Like um, medicine students, that was really touching, actually. Medicine students, they were very, very aware of the um, importance of personal development in their lives. And I must say, from um, talking with uh, my, uh, my some friends of mine that are studying medicine in Belgium, um, I didn't have that impression before asking them. I thought that the students studying medicine were a bit like, we do this because we are, I'm interested in medicine, but they didn't have such a humane kind of thinking about the practice of medicine. That was my preconception. Got totally wrong. <laughs> like When I did the interview, I was so surprised of how wrong I was, um, like based on Maastricht student. And these people were really talking about for example, that they feel they need emotional regulation a lot because their um, their practice is facing a lot of people that are ill, for example, mm -hmm. or a lot of hospital. Um, uh, the hospital environment is really stressful and can be very uh, challenging, and they need to be able to deal with stress. But also, and that was really beautifully said they were saying but we're also going to see people die or we're going to have to tell to people they are dying and we need to be able to integrate these emotions and to um yeah like uh forgive ourselves for mistakes we might have made that could have helped better the patient and 
So mm -hmm. these students were extremely reflective um, and were mentioning they received quite some inputs from the university in, tr in order to trying to be reflective on these components, but that that was not really um, enough and they would like to learn more. Um, so that's from the, the, the medicine student and then the, um, uh, programming students on the other hand, that was quite interesting. were not quite as reflective on these topics. Why I think, um, that the um, self-reflection skills can be extremely important for programmers, especially regarding the fact that they are creating extremely powerful tools that can, uh, impact greatly society. Um, let's take for example Facebook. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a, the, uh, when I was giving them this example, they were looking at, at, me, at me like you don't know much about programming, but um, you know there's the, this knowledge of like how um, uh, the, the 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 creator of a program, if they code too much of their own identity into the program, that's going to be tailored to repeat, um, for example, inequalities in society. But they didn't really have much, um, like ex at least they didn't express so much about this, and didn't they didn't express so much interest either in trying to develop personal reflection skills or growth skills or global citizenship skills on that level. So there were differences across uh, domains, um, and yeah, that was basically uh, the second part of the findings of my research. Yeah, uh, related to the mm -hmm. last. Um, it's very it's interesting because it mirrors the research on on people who work with people and people who work who are like programmers for example this interested in things and interested in people yeah. and I can see how how this influences that they are not interested in learning these type of skills. Um, in general, I felt there were there were like two or even three categories of types of support that were expected or that would be appreciated from the side of the uni uh, and the one was the first one was basically that the uni gives more support for these type of more soft skills so to say so not content but really the skill side that are necessary to fulfill their job for example the emotional reflection for for medical students because like you said they have to tell someone that someone died or they might do a mistake and someone dies because of the mistake and that's happening to yeah, yeah that's that's very likely to happen yeah. um as as a, a someone in in the medical domain um then the other one was that was maybe more general skills but also might have overlap with these type of skills that is self-regulation -reg um self um, self-organized learning these type of things um, and then lastly there was one the basically the support for mental health right yeah so these three and i would i wanted to ask you something because i've i've been thinking about this quite a bit about to what degree <clears throat> universities has a responsibility to support students with their mental health mm -hmm. and i think the conclusion that i have right now is that if the resources are available then yes but not at the cost of the actual teaching 
um, itself. So right. if like the teaching is compromised for helping students with their mental health, then I think it should not happen because universities are primarily institutions of education. And what we said in the beginning, the world is becoming more and more complex. And for example, programmers have like this huge, can have this huge influence depending on what they are programming. Um, we need very good education at this top level, right? In order to handle the problems that we're facing independent of in what domain we're facing. Um, and I just wanted to ask you what your point of view uh, on this topic is. Yeah, I have a different point of view than you, I think. Um, I definitely agree with what you just said. And I think that's extremely important. I have a different point of view, probably because I'm a bit of an idealistic person and I'm not completely rational, saying that I would be like, yeah, but resources can be, the resources can always be found. So not enough resources should never be a limitation, which practically, obviously, they are, right? So I'm a little bit like, no, let's think of an ideal world. Um, and let's make it happen, right? So that's a bit where I come from. So that's that's good to keep in mind. But I think that it's great to have people that are highly skilled. But if after three years, all of these people are burned out, then how mm. useful are they going to yeah. be to society, right? Um, it's great to have people that are highly skilled, but if they cannot be self-reflective, they might be skilled to be, again, continuing to... Um, perpetrates the mistakes that we have been making for example wanting to be so efficient and so on um, but we are kind of discovering that the only efficiency paradigm might not be really the one that will help solving like for example climate crisis right mm. we need other aspects than just productivity and efficiency um, to resolve main crisis, we might need a little bit more to take um, it slower to try to decrease production to increase quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit like quantity over um, quality mm-hmm. or these kind of things. And in my opinion, in order to be able to create a world that is reflective, reflecting more quality than quantity, there is a need to be a shift in the mindset of people. And that is mainly possible if we help them having this mind, uh, mindset shift. And for me, it really starts in, it's good if people have a lot of knowledge again and are able to do a lot of things, but if they're like, yeah, if they're overexhausted, if they don't know how to take mm-hmm. care of themselves, um, if they are constantly in conflicts because their ideas is better than their colleagues' idea, if they cannot communicate, how useful and how qualitative are these information actually? And so... Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's actually the role of university to be saying the way things have been done until now were one way. We are facing obstacles and crises today. We need such a shift in mindset in order mm-hmm. to create a more qualitative future. And it's <clears throat> our role to help you realizing that because maybe your home is not helping you and if your home is not helping you and university is not helping you and school is not helping you who is going to help you um, becoming more of a caring and self-caring human being basically so that's that's a bit my answer to your question all right um i do agree with um 
with a lot what you just said. And I think what I did, uh, I made a mistake in not clarifying what I actually um, support in like the terms of, you know, of these three categories mm -hmm. and what I'm a little bit uh, concerned about, let's say. Because um, for the first first two categories, there's developing the skills that are part of your um, part of your future job, maybe that have mm -hmm. been neglected so far, but that are becoming more and more. Um, well, we become more and more conscious how important these self-regulation skills are. For example, in terms of of medic uh, of people working in the medical domain, um, I, I'm 100 with you what you said about it. That's just, that it's really important and that it can't be uh, the solution to produce people uh, that come from university and are burned out three to five years later and then basically crash and burn and uh, have to yeah basically completely start again from there onwards so that's um yeah i'm 100 on board with that um what i was more um, talking about was really this third category of really professional psychological help and i think that at least from what i've heard that some people expect universities to do more in this regard and so for example there are these experiences that people have where um, the university is offering psychologists or basically is providing them and where you can go and talk to them um, but if you have like real problems like real psychological real mental health problems then you're usually sent away or you're sent to um, a different service or to say to professional psychologists simply because you they cannot deal with it because you need regular therapy right mm -hmm. and i've heard that um people criticize this that it is that way and um i think i i 100 understand this um desire for university to to provide even more there than they that they um, do already but on the other hand there's and that was what i meant is like universities are institution of education and not of of mental health um and what i would like to see way more um as a maybe as a um offering as like a, um, a um, yeah. what you say compromise is that a word yeah. compromise yeah compromise yeah is encouraging more and also making it easier for students to take a break um or maybe if you yeah realize it early on in your studies that you cannot deal with it um, in, a, in a healthy way because you have mental health issues that should have more priority that you don't then don't have to wait four years to enroll again if you drop out early on right and making these things easier is i think something um that that could do a lot already because it shows that mental health is actually important and the university is not the active um supporter in terms of overcoming the mental health issues but creating an environment where people feel more encouraged to actually deal with their mental health first um yeah. and yeah that's that's basically uh, i think my uh, my take on it yeah i i think what you're saying makes complete sense and i absolutely agree actually with what you're saying i think we are on the, on the very much same page here um from the research i've done actually from, from the, the the findings of uh, the focus group the point was not very much of students wanting them the psychologists of the university um, going more in depth with their for example mental um well-being and or even mental illnesses problems 
rather uh, that they could not even reach actually the mm. psychotherapist of the university because these were not available. They were they were they had too many requests, and if you wanted to make an appointment, you were redirected for months, months, months later. Um, which I think indeed um, might be a problem because um, they could very well be a first yeah. contact in case of problems. And they, sh in my opinion, they should be a first contact. But indeed, I, I agree that um, serious problems need to be um, uh, supported on a very um, continuous level. And probably the um, uh, school um, therapist, just because only just by the fact that you're only three years at school and not your whole life at university, um, this therapist cannot follow you for your whole life, but maybe you might need this support for a longer time than three years of bachelor yep. studies, right? So I do agree that they might not be the right person to talk to for the longer term, but they should be um, available enough so that for mm. the first contact, they can answer um especially since students sometimes are in Maastricht, for example, and they, they're not able to go back to their home country. They don't know how to reach out to a psychotherapist outside of university, and their friends might not be enough to deal with their struggle. If psychotherapists of the university are not available either, um, there is like the teacher's body left, basically, but I think it might be very challenging to know who to reach out. And I think that's what the students were mentioning. So. I think, um, yeah, I really agree on what you were saying. And I think what you were mentioning was super interesting. And for me, that's almost the most important point of the, the, suggestion, um, the suggestion you made of um, helping students understand on a more non, like specifically reaching out to somebody, but just helping them understand how to deal with um Maybe I'm interpreting a bit what you're saying, but how to deal with the stress and how to alleviate a little bit of actually also like the the the, the main point of the uncertainty of what they have to do, for example, and alleviate all of that is very important. And I don't know what you think about this topic, but for me, that's actually one of the most important thing about this all of what we're talking about is we put a lot of importance into succeeding, as you were saying. We cannot take a break. Like, we cannot really take a break. We shouldn't really fail. Um, like, there is a lot of emphasis, or at least students seem to show a lot of emphasis on trying to do their best, get the best grades, probably because that leads to good masters and then to good careers. And, you know, we are in very much of a system where we need to excel, like, to... In French, in French, you can mm. say excel, like just being like yeah. excellent, right? Um, however, in real life, in order to do that, that means that personal circumstances sometimes need to be put aside. And how do you really manage to get such brilliant grades if you have a family member that is ill and you're not able to, to you know, to mm. focus on your studies or... Um, if yourself, you're not in a good health position, you know, like how, and that's just a very simple example. If you're going through a breakup or if you're falling in love, <laughs> you know, like, uh, isn't it hard to focus in these kinds of moments? Um, and I think there are millions of life circumstances. And uh, at least in my university, in my master program, 
I was quite surprised to see how much people were putting so much importance into succeeding mm. well. While, although I'm a perfectionist person, so it's a bit easy to say, oh, I don't care about passing while I do care and I usually pass my courses. So that's maybe a bit controversial to say that, right? But I have started to try to have the mindset in my second year instead of stressing out, thinking, okay, if I fail, I fail. <laughs> and if I fail, I do the retake. And if I do the, if I fail the retake, I retake mm. the course. <laughs> and in the worst case, I have to stay one year longer at university and I will try to juggle with a job. Yeah, like how much of a bad impact does that really have in my whole life and i think that's an important thing that maybe should be communicated a little bit more to students from the teacher body or other students and that was the case for me where it's okay hmm. to take a break if you need one it's okay to, to nap if you need to sleep it's okay to have a full night of sleep before an exam um these kinds yeah. of things i think are good ways of helping students actually i don't know yeah what's your position yeah on, on that? i found it this um i'm also not a big fan of um especially this comparison because it, essentially it is a yeah. comparison towards others right of like okay how well am i doing and also the definition of success is often defined by looking at other people And which is, in, mm -hmm. in a sense, understandable because from an evolutionary perspective, we are like social animals, right? And we're always looking at, okay, what does the rest do? But I think we could, we wouldn't make necessarily the objective reality of people's lives easier by telling them or by teaching them to focus on themselves and find their own definition of success and go their own pace because yeah. the, the difference won't go away that some people just are a little bit freaks and they just work their ass off and they just do a lot and they will be um they will have more high paying jobs not saying that this is the only uh, variable that plays into that <laughs> um, but this is one of the things right and so i think what could be improved by focusing helping people focus more on their own definition of success so to say is that they have a way better way of dealing with the challenges that are put in their way because suddenly they yeah they, they can see this purpose basically in um yeah in what they are what to say yeah in 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 what they are engaging with in their life right and it's i think that this could could do a lot and for example taking like Uh, um has like the motto like go the extra mile right and um it's mm. depends on how you frame it and maybe some people see it or maybe the majority i don't know sees it as like okay the extra mile is like going going one mile more than anyone else but maybe it's like going one mile more than you went yesterday than you personally went yesterday you know yeah. so not like focusing on basically on the other people how they are doing but can you go a little bit further than you would yesterday and can you improve your life basically in terms not in terms of how much money you have but in terms of how you feel and how you experience life um and whatever that means mm. for your particular circumstance because i'm not um prescribing or i don't want to prescribe like a certain layout about what a good life is but trying to find your what is good for you what is sustainable for you and then yeah. trying to do more of that basically and that might vary differently between different people right um 
And I think this yeah. is something where where I, we could make a lot of progress on. Yeah, and um, it's it's interesting because also for me, going the extra mile, exactly as you said, everybody has a different perception of it. That might also be going the extra mile into going some doing something that you're not that comfortable about. For example, you have to study so much. You know you didn't study enough. You're exhausted. You should study more. Going the extra mile could be you pull the all-nighter and study more. But the extra mile can also be you go into something that is not comfortable for you and you go to sleep without knowing so much more about the, the content. Because you know that sleeping good will be helping you for the exam as well, right? So I think it's, again, for me, that's really this qualitative versus quantitative paradigm of mm. going the extra mile could be going further and you like force it and you really like, you know, in your physical abilities go like one extra mile or you go the extra mile for example in your mind and you stop on your path physically but in your mind you reflect about all of what has happened and that's another extra mile but more on a like um, emotional level or other aspects of your life that can also um, be an extra mile right it's not easy to um, take a break again but that's an effort that you can do as well so for me, it's important to understand it. Um, yeah, that going out of your comfort zone, out of what you think will help you, but doing things that will actually also help you in other ways that are more soft, gentle, and, you know, like slowing down. Yeah. It can be actually an extra mile as well. Yeah. And that's probably, that's also just uh, how mirrors, how everybody's different, right? So for someone yeah. who's like, very conscientious uh, i also had to learn that right to to take a step back and to be sometimes to be able to not do anything uh, yeah. which is also very difficult which well at least for some people it can be very difficult and on the other side of the spectrum you have people who do very very little and they have to learn to do a little bit more to exactly. keep up with it and then you have everything in between basically yeah exactly i think an example for me for my thesis is that um I mean, an example of what I'm trying to say also is that teachers in the thesis always say, or in reports often say, um, try to stop writing uh, way ahead of time. You take a break. You don't read anything of your thesis. You don't think about your thesis. You just like uh, go on a holiday or something. And they don't say that that much, but that's my interpretation. And then you come back and you read again because with the time dif like time lapse, you will see mistakes that you made before that you wouldn't see because you were so focused on it right so by going the extra mile riding more and more and more and trying to improve 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 sometimes you will just miss some things right and sometimes just stopping taking a break and coming back will help you spotting some mistakes you don't have so obviously you don't do that when you're rushed on a on a time frame right if you are halfway and your deadline is in two days you don't really take a break you need to write but also um yeah that, that can really be actually improving, again, the quality of what you're doing. Uh, and I read my thesis now, and I'm like, oh, Emma, you should have, like, read this differently. Now I can spot that this could have been a bit, you know, twisted differently. Um, yeah, so I think that's, a, that's an example of it. Oh. Nice. All right. Um maybe still related to that but maybe a little bit of of a 
of a cut uh, what yeah. i wanted to ask you i had a feeling and i'm asking because i'm not sure whether it's actually the case that's uh, where i want to ask you that sometimes the expectancy was um so from from reading your thesis i got this feeling that sometimes the expectancy was that you learn these skills in workshops basically and that uni offers offers a workshop and after the workshop you basically know how to self-regulate know how to uh, live an emotionally balanced life whatever um and if that would be the case then i would say okay then we would also need to do some expectation management or it would be beneficial if universities do some expectation management in terms of the responsibility for developing the skills lies with you and we just provide you the um the the tools so to say so you can apply them to your own life because you don't learn these skills in a closed environment in a workshop but you learn them in real life right because they are for real life and so the question is uh whether whether you think that this was actually the expectations that some student held or whether i just uh, misinterpreted something uh while reading your your thesis Mm. um i think students mostly were saying actually yeah no both a little bit of both um some students were saying that they could develop these kind of skills by being made aware of their Mm. existence and that would be a very good first step Um, but they also generally mentioned that it's not just by passively learning about them that you're going to develop them you need to experience them and as you were saying actually um, they were talking about workshops because that's the most practical thing thing um, that could probably happen um, in their conception of university courses Um, but they did mention that's something that has to evolve over time and that you will develop these skills for example a lot more by experiencing uh, the hospital crisis (laughs) than in a workshop or in a course Um, so they did very much mention that these are life skills that cannot that easily be taught um which is very very accurate i think and i think that links a little bit to the suggestion i made at the end of the thesis which which can runs a little bit off um, my topic and i think we can talk about your suggestions as well um but that's why the suggestions of the thesis in the end are to yes provide workshop from the university to make students aware of what are these skills and how they can develop it um but especially having, um, again, in the framework of university, right? Like informing them what they are, but that they should be developed further. And these workshops should like help a students understand what are the strengths and how to develop them and how to develop them in their personal, professional lives and not only university lives. But two other suggestions I made were that students um, should have support from peer students of higher years mm-hmm. Um, and discuss these skills and how in their past lives, I mean, how in their lives uh, previously <laughs> did they um, experience these skills? How has these skills helped help them and how can they further develop them mm-hmm. and have a discussion with a student that could be also support to understand 
what is going on with uh, university, basically, how to deal with difficulties and so on, trying to think of these kind of skills and how these skills can help them. So that would be on a more kind of, it's not just a workshop, right? It's trying to really integrate in a discussion and a kind of a little coaching session Mm-hmm. Um, what they have learned in a workshop that is that was a little bit more theoretical. This is a bit more practical and dynamic. And then um, the final recommendation was to try to train these skills by providing feedback, students feedback each other in group work. And that's actually already put in place at Maastricht University by the program of the MSP, Maastricht Science Program. They do uh, peer feedback sessions at the end of the project periods where they mostly grade each other, basically. Hmm. And that, first of all, doing group work teaches some of the important skills, such as like teamwork and like um, communication and so on. But being able to provide feedback on skills that others could improve or themselves could improve and having this feedback being important is kind of a training for them to be able to reflect on these skills on a setting that is a bit more of a practical project setting, right? So these kind of um, go from theoretical to dynamic interpersonal to really practical implications of it mm-hmm. to, to train a mechanism of a bit of a practice, right? And once you have started learning about a practice, it's easier to implement it to other areas of your life, right? So, yeah, I, I don't know if I answered properly to yeah. your question, actually. But. No, 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 it's very, very interesting, especially this um, learning to give feedback. And learning to do that in groups is probably something that's very important because it targets so many domains. It's like, how do you communicate it to others so they're Mm -hmm. not insulted by it and they can actually learn from it? So it's constructive feedback, but also how do you detect actually what can be um, improved so you become more aware there and also is simultaneously it helps you to look on yourself, right? Okay, how can I myself get feedback and uh, if you look at like the research on on learning uh, in the workplace or also learning like skills like I don't know baking feedback is most of the time a very essential component and um, a lot of learning can be enhanced basically if you introduce a mechanism of feedback so that's yeah. also something that's uh, very important and probably also something that can be quite easily and cheaply um, provided by the university yeah i would yeah. guess yeah um, i think so yeah yeah maybe i don't know because you you were doing your suggestions maybe uh, i can just yeah uh, exactly piggyback on there um yeah i think that would be interesting i th- to be honest i'm not 100 percent. i don't remember all of them anymore but i think the central yeah. my central takeaway was that learning these type of skills um sh- maybe not maybe not framing as should be but could benefit if it would be integrated uh, with the identity development that students go go through you know that it's not just okay you learn the skill but really more focusing on okay why do you want to learn the skill and have a more uh, continuous um, development of these things where they actually reflect on maybe a weekly or bi-weekly basis on it maybe not from input from uni but they're encouraged to do it and maybe they are are given the uh the structure so to say 
in order to do this. And then maybe once half a year, they meet up with their mentor and then they look at all the reflection that they have done in the progress. And then the mentor can give actually like high quality input. Because for example, at FPN, how it is right now is like you meet every half a year and you have the portfolio, but everybody does the portfolio just before the meeting. Yeah. So you you miss out, and it's very understandable, right? I I also yeah. did it that way. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. You have so much to do, and then this is just something that you push until yeah. the last minute, and then you do it. And they are also very well aware of that. Um, it's just in the sense it's how much they are allowed to ask from students to put effort into it, you know, mm. because everything is like um, they also have their um, their guidelines how much they are allowed to ask from bachelor students in terms of the how much hours um, you have to put in uh, but yeah and basically for me the main takeaway was because what i found also and i think we haven't touched upon this yet but um, what what was very interesting to me was that five of the ten students i talked to they mentioned one or two very specific and mostly or, or often negative experiences that they drew from and that basically wow. gave them some, some uh, sense of purpose um, to and motivation to, to yeah. deal with university and to develop them develop themselves as as like competent uh, yeah competent human beings um, to yeah improve on a certain cause that was driving them basically mm. and that differed quite widely what that actually was but it was this this notion that okay they had this negative experience and it shaped them in some very very significant way and they drew from this and they um, engaged with the with the stressors and with all the complications of being a student through the lens of of this purpose so to say and that made it very meaningful for them from them and so i um uh, my recommendation was to integrate these type of practices that we've been talking about now more trying to integrate and in actually with the student's identity and trying to find a way to do that which is of course easier easier said than mm. done um, but yeah and so for example um, to to follow up on this um, this is actually something that i want to investigate with my master thesis because what I've been, what I will try to do is develop a system that basically can be integrated with these mentoring systems, for example, right? So a lot of universities have the mentoring systems, but of course, limited resources. So they cannot meet up that often because, mm -hmm. of course, all the mentors, they are like PhDs or they're professors. So they also have a lot to do and they can't meet up that often. And then mm -hmm. they get as input, at least at FPN, it's like this. And I imagine that it's similar in other faculties. Um, they get like a, a portfolio or something, a reflection that has been written in like half an hour and is supposed to be like continuous. And what I'm trying to develop is like a, a system either that I would like to distribute digitally because it's the most easiest, but also yeah. maybe think about other, other ways um, that basically gives students the structure to reflect on a, on a continuous basis. As I said, maybe uh, every two weeks and then maybe 15 or 30 minutes every two weeks because that's really an amount of time that you have mm. and that you can really um, plan and integrate the system with not only a reflection system but really uh, an, also an organizing system that really mm. helps students to not only okay I have to do this and I have to reflect and it helps me to do this but really simultaneously helps them okay I need to reflect and I actually need, need to make time for this because it's important for me because 
otherwise I'm just going to drown in all the stuff that I have to do. Mm. And so it basically integrates these, these two needs, like to, to balance your life and then to reflect on it and what you could do better. And in an ideal, uh, in an ideal scenario, this system would then develop as the student themselves are developing, you know? Mm. And so you can see the development of the, of the person is mirrored in the development of the system and yeah. the other way around. Yeah. Um, that sounds really wonderful. And so this system, as you're saying, is um, helping the students create their own um, identity and integrating their experiences by ensuring a reflection that would be uh, more systematic, um, but not only in terms of timing, if I understand properly, but also in terms of um, it would become evident to them that this reflection is not for the purpose of making their teachers happy about their homework, but uh, more than that would help them um, evolve and make sense of their experiences. And I'm wondering how, I mean, that's a very picky question, so obviously you cannot know the answer yet because you're working on it, but how, how does... Um, external system help students like how different would it be from the portfolio they have now that with this type of system the student would actually feel oh this is helping me this is this i want to do this it's not a homework anymore i feel this is helping yeah so not not an easy question and i also yeah, don't no. want to uh, with with um, developing the system, I don't want to undermine the systems that are in place already because yeah, people yeah. have put a lot of effort into them, right? Um, I've been thinking about it more as a complementary thing, you know. Mm. That's that that's a cheap addition to the system that helps students keep on track with it because it doesn't require the constant input um, from the from the mentors, for example, but it helps them to give their own input. And it mm. guides them in developing this, you know, and it's, you can set it up once and then you give it to them. So you only have to really write it down once and then it's automatically, they know where to go, when to go there. Mm. Um, if they, if they have to ref reflect, for example, or if they want to reflect and then it's not only that the reflection, they do it once and then they don't know where it is, but it's actually helping them to, okay, I, I have this problem and, uh, mm. Um, maybe they detected that they're spending too much time on uni and they don't have enough uh, or right now they don't prioritize doing sports for example enough and right. then they could actually in the same system that helps them reflect um, it would automatically tell them hey um, set set an aspiration for that so i want to be more balanced in my life so to say and then this aspiration is very vague right you cannot touch it but simultaneously it then lets them write about okay why do you actually want that and you know make them make it apparent to themselves why they specifically feel that they want to be more balanced not make it a okay you should think that way but really make it make it a personal thing and then help them and give them really the clear structure because that's um i talked to um to some people and um, apparent especially for first year students that's very important that they have like a very clear structure while learning yeah. these skills breaking it down and breaking it down into sub goals that are very um yeah 
actionable, so to say, you know, yeah. where they really know what to do when, and you have it and the system helps them really step by step, breaking it down from this vague aspect to more sub goals to individual um, to do's basically that they can yeah. do. And it's all happening within the same system. That's all the reflection is also happening. So it's not necessarily, it's, it's not better than the other systems because it's not necessarily intended to work without them. It's intended to be tailored to these systems that yeah. the, basically the students have the guidance in these times where they don't have the input from their, from their mentors. Yeah. I think for for me that understands uh, and I've been talking about with you about this uh, um, yeah like creation of program basically we are uh, it's very clear but maybe for me to try to make a link for people that might be a bit less clear about what it means these systems and so on um, I understand it a little bit as um, that this that you are created could help the student really having an overview also of the previous reflections instead of coming with a like oh i have a portfolio here like this is the three pages of my reflection i actually made yesterday but uh yeah and i'm gonna forget about it tonight and but it's really making more like a little book actually that they carry around during the whole um, studies but it's not a book isolated from their schedule and agenda and notes it's a book that contains everything which means that when they're studying their courses maybe at the back they remember oh there's a reflection a component at the back the pages are pink actually and i should maybe take a look at these because and if i take a look at them i will see oh like six months ago i wrote this and these um few aspects i put them like i highlighted the aspects for example of uh, I am too stressed. How do I feel about it today? So you really have an overview of what were your reflection points and you're really guided to highlight the most important points, for example, and to have a specific in-depth reflection, but you also can keep track of it um, to further develop. So it's kind of provides a continuity also, I think, which might be because I know I did reflection exercises in my first year of uh, university. I have no idea where that is. <laughs> I don't know. I've never reread it, right? I don't know how I have, have evolved about it. Um, and that was only just like kind of flow of thoughts, but maybe it would have been useful to have a few points as takeaways. Um, and if I understand, this is a tool that could help basically achieving that in some ways. Exactly. It was very nice, very nice summary. And um, <laughs> just one thing, uh, I want to build it with a notion, which is some of yeah. some of the people listening might have heard it. It's like this software that basically allows you to build your own apps without needing to the ability to code. And the cool thing why I think, uh, why I want to start building it in this, at least fleshing it out and getting the structure, because it is so dynamic and it allows for this dynamic. Yeah. And it's more dynamic than a book. But in the ideal, of course, everybody's different. And then offering people the ability to translate this, st this structure of the system into a book, if they want to do it, that would be, of, cool, of course, a, a, a nice uh, follow-up step. Mm. Um, but also, also because Notion is... The thing is, I, I mean, you, you know uh, that I'm quite uh, fascinated by it. Um, and I've talked to quite a number of, of students now about it. And usually when you explain the concept and 
it it makes click in the head you see their their eyes light up and it's like oh my god i need this and so this is also one of the more less scientifically uh influenced but more from like in my own experience influenced yeah. uh opinion that this is something that could be quite valuable to a lot of students simply to you know to just give them something that helps them start organizing and reflecting in which they then can develop themselves later on to, to make it give it their unique spin basically their, their own mm -hmm. their own touch yeah yeah so that's a very practical um, new solution that could be used alongside with what already exists and um, yeah that you really trying to understand the findings of your study and trying to um yeah integrate that with personal yeah personal um experiences um of how much it has helped you and um and and making it really happen actually so i'm really excited because i i have tried to use notion but i'm not extremely talented so far so um if yeah when you're gonna start you were mentioning you might um create it and try to have some people being like trying it out and i would be very happy to be one of these people <laughs> i'm gonna so. i'm gonna send it to you definitely wonderful but yeah i think i think that's gonna be interesting and i think it would be very interesting to talk about it again once it's further developed and see what are your insights and students insights on um yeah how this tool can help really um, these types of reflections yeah yeah I'm, i'm very much looking forward to that day yeah nice yeah, as well. um yeah i don't know do you still have do you have anything that's on your mind that you st still want to want to share i think uh, i'm happy to uh, let it sink a little bit um i have things coming up and uh, probably be able to use that for next um interactions i don't have anything yeah. like very very pressing nice yeah i think we talked about a lot and yeah. it's a good time to let it let it process and then yeah Wonderful. cool then this was episode two i think it was a lot of fun very interesting yes, yes. to to finally integrate the two or two theses in this uh yeah in this format Yeah, that was really that was really um, nice to uh, see, like, yeah, get back into into these topics, integrate what we've been talking about, and yeah, yeah, further think about it. And about I think it was interesting to talk about also our assumptions behind things or our beliefs, more fundamental beliefs such as how we perceive the role of university. Mm. I think these are very important. Um, things to tackle in our discussions. So I appreciate that you brought that into the discussion. That was really interesting. Yeah. And it also showed, I think, very nice that um, our plan to do this podcast, because we have slightly different views on some of the things, actually works out. Yeah. So I found it really, uh, it really gave gave me new perspective and showed how, how again, how, how it's so often like, people have seem to have different views on it but then when they talk about it it's actually just how they frame it yeah and a lot of the the underlying um motivation is actually uh, aligned yeah and i also appreciate a lot how um, i feel constantly these days but this podcast really uh, made me feel like that that two brains are often yes 
working even better than one, right? That like, oh, not working better, but like insights from two brains are really interesting. Yeah. Um, because we get caught in our own thinking and then suddenly there's some other questions coming up and you're like, ooh, wow, like this, this, and then other suggestions and other inputs and you're like, this makes the reality a lot more interesting. At least that's my opinion. So yeah, yeah I really like that. I I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a very nice uh, word to end it. Mm. Wonderful. Cool. Sweet. Then, then until next time. Yes. <laughs> Have a good time until then. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.